your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Missouri in the backfield from the 23-yard line. Snap back, play action, back to throw as Martinez has some time. Sets guns to the end zone, open as J.D. Makes the catch! Touchdown, Nebraska! How about that? Symphony Dudon down the field. Martinez to J.D. Spielman. Sports Nightly during the holidays is presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. With over 6,000 new and pre-owned vehicles in stock, visit woodhouse.com to browse the entire inventory. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Warren. Happy hump day, everyone. Still blows my mind, Nate, that it's dark by the time we're on the air. I don't like it. Let's fix it. Can we get some light out there? I mean, it's great. It's 5 o'clock, and you look outside, and the sun's almost down. It's just it officially means that we're getting close to the holiday season. And I suppose that's a good thing because – it means food and football, but yeah, I'm not a, not a fan of this getting dark at, at six o'clock business, but it is what it is, I suppose. We'll just have to survive it. Yeah. Um, you know, at this time uh, next week, we'll have state champions and high school football around the state. Yes. Hard to believe that's already wrapped up. The football season just goes fast. Like it, it goes faster every year and it's a sign that I'm getting very old. But, but it just feels like it goes at warp speed every year. I mean, blink your eyes and you go from media days at Chicago to right now, trying to figure out where you're going for a bowl game, <laughs> if you're going to a bowl game this it's year. Funny you mentioned that. Um, you know, we were, I, I've been asked that a lot this week, uh, both on different radio shows and just from friends or whatever. You know, if I think it's going to happen, even on this show, uh, we had a couple of calls earlier this week asking about potential bowl game and this probably doesn't happen if nebraska plays uh poorly against wisconsin i don't know that there's that level of optimism considering that nebraska hasn't won a game in about a month mm-hmm. so uh granted how they play that that, that question has been popping up more and more um you know do i think it's going to happen and if if i if it is going to happen what are the likely destinations who, who would we play so i thought well Let's just play the hypothetical game, and uh, you, me, and uh, Brett and Josh were back there today just kind of kicking the tires on what a potential bowl game would look like. We'll get into that a little later on in the show and uh, share our findings with people. I know there's still a lot of work that has to be done to get there, starting this week with Maryland, a team that themselves have really struggled with. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into that a little little later tonight as well. Coming up here on the show, coming up here in just a little bit, is our practice report. Nate was over at Oscar football practice earlier today. It was offense day-to-day. Nebraska offensive coordinator Troy Walters meeting with members of the media following the workout today. So we'll get an update on the offensive end of things and see if the Huskers can uh, add off to a, a good performance that they had against Wisconsin last week on the road against a Maryland defense that's been pretty porous uh, the last two months of the season. Coming up in hour two of the show, we'll have our Big Ten Blitz. We are spinning around the league talking with Penn State, Michigan, and Illinois this week. Penn State will battle the Buckeyes, uh, see if they can knock those dudes out of a playoff again, just like they did a couple of years ago uh, with that big upset. Michigan, obviously, they're continuing to trend in the right direction. Ever since that Wisconsin debacle, they battle Indiana this weekend. And Illinois will try and cool off Iowa after a big win against Minnesota last week. So Penn State, Michigan, and Illinois are our stops around the Blitz tonight. We'll play Big Red Replay tonight. 
And also, Nate had a chance to talk with Nebraska volleyball player Nicklin Hames, who uh, is going to have a very important week in front of her in the Husker volleyball team, Minnesota and Wisconsin, this week for the Big Red. And rumor has it, Nate, that this is the final edition of our buy-sell. I, I think Whoa. this we're officially calling this our first season. Yes. It's been a while since we've played. I don't really remember the scenario. I think you're winning by a, a healthy margin. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, I, there's gonna be, I know there's going to be questions from baseball, uh, maybe even a few football questions in there. I'm not sure how far back this even goes. So It's it, tough to say. I mean, <laughs> we, it, we're, we're so sporadic on our buy and sell when, when it's us two. I mean, during the summer, we'd get a couple of Wednesdays together. But I don't know. I think this is the first one since the summer. So yeah. lots happened. It'll be interesting to find out how this thing goes. Of course, you want to be a, be a part of the show tonight, you can. Uh, feel free to dial us up on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. Uh, those lines are open for you, as they always are. Um, all right, Nate, we, we mentioned the Wisconsin game a little bit. Let's just start with kind of where you're at after after that game with Wisconsin. And usually Wednesday is the time where it kind of turned the page to Nebraska's next opponent uh, with Maryland. But considering what you watched on Saturday uh, from your post at Memorial Stadium, where where are you at right now in the middle of the week getting ready for Maryland? Weirdly encouraged and a bit disappointed, and let me break those two down because weirdly encouraged, this offense moved against Wisconsin, one of the best defenses in the country and certainly one of the best defenses in the Big Ten, and without the guy who had been making all the plays lately, Wandale Robinson, the offense was solid. The offense looked good. You know, Wisconsin has the best third down defense in the country, and Nebraska was 50% on third down. That looked good. Diedrich Mills, who has had a really tough time getting going this year, ran for nearly 200 yards and so that there were signs of progress there were things that made you feel good especially on the offensive side of the ball and even defensively yeah Jonathan Taylor ran for 200 yards Nebraska was down two of their starting three defensive linemen so I thought for all the injuries and all the issues really on both sides of the ball Nebraska held up well what frustrates you is what did they figure out in the second bye week that they didn't know the first eight weeks, you know, the first nine weeks of the season? And whether it's perimeter blocking, whether it's Diedrich Mills finally having the light turn on in this offense, whatever it was, you know, it just frustrates you that it wasn't there against Purdue or Indiana. You feel it, those losses almost bug you more. Because Indiana and especially Purdue, you can almost accept if Nebraska just continues downhill. Then you go, well, this team went in the tank. The offense was super inconsistent once they lost Maurice Washington. You can kind of accept, well, everything's bad. But this team found something during the second bye week. It's just a little frustrating that they weren't able to find it for two pretty winnable games, neither of which this program won. So at the very least, you feel like you can build on it, and you feel like Nebraska goes into these last two games with a chance. So there's the encouraging part, and hopefully Nebraska takes care of business out at Maryland. You feel like that's a game Nebraska ought to win, although any more, you know, how much do you want to bank on that? 
and then you come back here on Black Friday with an opportunity to set up a bowl game for yourself. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, against the team that Nebraska really needs to beat because yes. it's been far too long since that's happened. And, um, I mean, that that's the whole goal, right? I mean, you, hopefully you go on the road and you take care of Maryland and you put yourself in a good enough mindset and, and, and you're in a spot mentally to where you show up to the – football field on Black Friday with a chance to go to a bowl game and beat a rival. I mean, if yeah. that doesn't get you up to, to play, then then I don't know what will that. And it's senior day for a lot of those guys to get out there too. So their last chance to play at Memorial Stadium. And time to dive into a practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Presented by JTEC Construction. Time to replace your home siding but not sure where to start. Start with JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. JTEC specializes in seamless steel siding and always provides free consultations. Huskers practiced inside in the Hawks Championship Center today. Troy Walters addressed the media, and the Huskers offensive coordinator also serves as Nebraska's wide receivers coach, so he had quite a few questions about the wide receivers, and one of the questions was about Kunavai Noah, the graduate transfer from Cal, who's played better the last few weeks. Ten of his 17 catches for the season have come in the last three games, and Troy Walters was asked about Noah's improvement. Yeah, well, I mean, he's done that all year. Um, he plays hard, plays with passion, loves the game, really reminds me of Stanley last year. I mean, every time he steps on the field, um, he has that enthusiasm, that excitement. Um, you know, he's been doing a great job running great routes. Um, he's getting better each week. Um, you know, there's times this season where maybe the quarterback didn't see him or didn't have time or just they just weren't connecting. But uh, we love what he's brought on and off the field, and uh, uh, he's done a great job. From the effort standpoint, it was always there with Kunavainoa, but it just didn't seem like Nebraska was getting much production from him until the last few weeks, but really seems like he's found his way. Yes, he's been out of position all year. He's playing outside this year, a slot guy most of his career at Cal, but feels like he's finally settled in the last few weeks. He's Nebraska's best perimeter blocker mm -hmm. out on the edge. Uh, might be Nebraska's best route runner. Uh, he's had a couple of drops this year, but I mean, I think I even told you and Greg, you know, at the press conference, he's really playing well the last few weeks and, and he, he does, he always plays hard. Um, I think it means a lot to him to finish his career here at Nebraska. Uh, pretty introverted guy doesn't speak a lot to the media and, uh, from, from all the, the accounts that we get, he's a, he's a pretty quiet kid, but very very important when it comes to this offense and there's not a lot of guys out out there at receiver right now that this coaching staff trusts but Noah is one of them and coming in and doing that right away is impressive and you have to like the fact that he's emerged late as this offense continues to search for weapons yes JD Spielman ha has continued to play well and Wandale Robinson uh, has come on strong up until uh, he was unavailable for Wisconsin due to injury but the fact that Noah has become sort of what you were hoping for from those outside guys has given Adrian Martinez in this offense some more options the wide receivers as we said have had a tough time this year both 
in terms of blocking and also in terms of route running. And one thing Trey Walters pointed out that the wide receivers needed to do a better job of the last uh, couple of weeks is the fact that they need to be where Adrian Martinez expects them to be. Walters was asked if the wide receivers are doing a better job in that respect lately. It's getting better. Um, our job as receivers is when the quarterback hits his third step, fifth step, whatever it is, we have to create an accurate picture for him. We can't, there can't be any gray area. We've got to be where we're supposed to be so he has confidence. And uh, we're getting there. Uh, you know, Cunavai, he, he he's a guy that the quarterback has confidence in. J.D., obviously, now he needs to get confidence. Mike Williams, some of the other guys, you're on Woodyard, um, you know, so that when he's when he hits his fifth, he knows we're going to be where we're supposed to be. And it comes down to running with speed, um, running fast, full speed, with technique and detail, and just make sure that we're, uh, we give the quarterback a clean picture. And that goes hand in hand. If the quarterback can trust you to be where you're supposed to be, then he'll more than likely throw you the ball. And, and we saw the absence of that really the first half of the year or so. Yeah, and I think, you know, it becomes increasingly frustrating when your offense isn't moving the ball. Now, I know that, you know, there were times against Purdue where the, the team was moving it. Obviously, coming off the bye against Indiana, the team moved it at the beginning. And coming off the bye with Wisconsin, the team moved it. But there were a lot of games where this offense looked like they were stuck in mud. And you looked out there at the receiving core, and you're just wondering who's going to make a play for you, especially when J.D. was banged up. That was that Minnesota game when Wandale was out. There's just not a lot of options out there right now to make plays. But they've come on better lately, and they get ready to face a Maryland team that has really struggled on the defensive side of the ball all year. They rank 114th in the country, allowing 34.3 points a game in terms of total yardage allowed. They're giving up over 440 yards a game. That's 107th in the country. Troy Walters was asked about the Maryland defense. Yeah, they've given up a lot of points, but if you look at them man for man, I mean, they're, they're very talented. Um, they've got good size, good length, uh, secondary. Uh, you know, they run around. They're going to get up in your face and press and make it difficult to get off the line of scrimmage. So, you know, it doesn't look like a team that's given up as many points as they have because they're, they're very athletic. Um, and so, you know, we've got to go in there and, and, uh, and, and, and execute and, and make sure we don't you know, you're on the road, so we can't beat ourselves, can't have the penalties, the turnovers, and, uh, and uh, get ready for a fight. You know, they've had a week off to rest, to get ready for us, so uh, we're going to get their best shot. The week off is the aspect that kind of scares me a little bit when you think about it because we saw new wrinkles for Nebraska mm -hmm. and we saw sharper points for the Huskers, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Maryland's coaching staff – is just getting settled in and I'm sure they spent some time during that bye week installing either more of their offense or even some new concepts. So what is under the curtain or behind the curtain right now for Maryland that Nebraska hasn't seen? That's one of the big things that worries me in this game. Specifically on offense, when a couple of times already we've heard coaches talking about their offense against Nebraska's defense picking up on tendencies and mm. you know having plays in crucial points of the game that they knew what what to expect from Nebraska's defense and being ready for it to me Nate people are gonna are look at Maryland's record and say yeah these guys aren't any good I look at this as the opposite of Northwestern right Northwestern doesn't have great athletes mm -hmm. but they're really skilled in what they do and, they, and they're good football players based, based on their technique Maryland's kind of the opposite. They have a lot of talent, but that doesn't always equate to great football. Like 
a lot of the guys on their defense are tremendously athletic, but that doesn't always equate into playing good football. And we've seen that on this side. Like you, you look at their their size and you know the way that they move laterally, and some of these guys, you know how how they just look physically, and and they they look some of them look like NFL players, but that doesn't mean you play like it. Right. But they could. Yeah. And, and there are times where your athleticism can win out. So another frightening part about playing Maryland, although the Terps have had their issues on the defensive side of the ball. So we continue along on our JTEC practice report. The Huskers were heavily penalized last year in the Wisconsin game. This year, only three penalties for 30 yards, and that's part of a larger drop in terms of penalty yardage. The Huskers are being called for about 22 yards fewer of penalties this year. Troy Walters was asked if he's happy with how Nebraska's improved in terms of being called for fewer penalties. Yeah, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. I'd like to go in with, with zero, but uh, that's encouraging. You know, can't turn the ball over. You know, we move the ball well against them, but uh, you can't have the turnovers, and, and you got to score when you get in the red zone. And, uh, you know, that last drive, uh, uh, the second to last drive, we, we turned the ball over on downs, went forward, and then the last drive, we got stopped at the one-yard line. So then we turned the ball over, can't give up kickoff return. So uh, we got to play a clean game on the road and uh, in order to be successful. I said this uh, last week heading into the Wisconsin game, you know, last year the penalties were just not following the rule or yeah. the mistakes were not following the rules of football. This year, hey, Nebraska's playing by the rules, but there are still small mistakes, technique mistakes, not doing your job. Huskers are getting better in that respect, but they're still not all the way there. So it's kind of the growth process of this program to 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 do their job on every play and eliminate mistakes. One place where Nebraska needs to do a much better job of eliminating mistakes is the red zone. Huskers offensively in the red zone, one of the worst teams in the country, scoring 70% of the time and just about half of the time with a touchdown when they get in the red zone. Trey Walters was asked if success in the red zone is on the scheme or on the execution. Well, that's not a red zone. That's a that's across the entire football field. You know, we're going to try to put our guys in the best place possible, but in the end, they've got to go and make the plays. They got to make the throw, make the catch, make the block, make the run. Um, as you get in the red zone, the space reduces, so you know there's going to be tighter coverages, and so receivers and and uh, tight ends and running backs, we've got to, uh, you know, there's a little bit more pressure um, to separate and to get open. So uh, you know, we're going to try to get the guys in the best play, and they got to go out and execute. It's not so much that they make more mistakes in the red zone, but, boy, they are more costly, and there are just more people around the ball to take advantage of the mistake you make. And the biggest thing that's frustrating inside the red zone are the TFLs and the penalties. Oh, yeah. Because you can't afford, you can't afford that. When you're on the goal line, you know, the taking the sacks and getting stuffed at the line, it just can't happen. Right. And, you know, that, that to me is going to be an area that is talked about a lot. I'm probably going to do a fair amount of research of it to kill all the time in the next year. <laughs> you know, go and look at those red zone possessions. Where were they successful? Where weren't they? Um, you know, the play calling, all that stuff kind of goes into it. But there's no question that has to be better. No, no doubt about it. When you get inside the 20, you know, Nebraska's scoring 70% of the time in the red zone, 52% of the time they're scoring a touchdown. Almost has to be 65 70% of yes. the time a touchdown. Yeah, and especially when you're an offensive-minded team. No doubt you about it. got to put points on the board. 
No question. Finally, Trey Walters was asked about the opportunity that exists at wide receiver for possible incoming recruits. Huge opportunity. You know, we're, 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 we're not there yet. Um, and so we're going to recruit our tails off and try to bring in guys and, and let them know there's, the competition is open. And we're gonna, you're gonna come in, and you're gonna have a chance to compete. And, and uh, we're gonna looking for playmakers on the perimeter to go out there and make plays. And uh, at, a, at a top five winning this college football program in the in the in the, in the country. And so uh, uh, I think guys, receivers are really excited about that opportunity. And I feel like uh, by the end of the signing class, we'll have some some uh, some guys that can come in and, and make make a difference. And Nebraska needs him, needs him bad. I mean, Kunavai Noah's the one guy on the outside who's done something for you, and he graduates, or he's he's done after this year. He's already graduated. Yeah. So some work to do in terms of wide receiver recruiting. A couple of injury notes. Uh, Wandale Robinson still out, and Kunavai Noah did not suit up for practice today. That's that's one that concerns me greatly. If if Nebraska's out out that guy and. Um, without a, another outside receiver, certainly going to be troublesome if that if that continues. But for now, as we do each and every Wednesday, time for our Big Ten Blitz. The Big Ten Blitz. In the state. And we will start with Nittany Lion football. Corey Geiger from the Altoona Mirror joining us. Corey, bid matchup here with Penn State. Let's just start first with the attitude of the team. I, I, I noticed on your Twitter feed today uh, some reaction to the social media comments that James Franklin had to address with their quarterback, Sean Clifford. Penn State also had to deal with uh, an unruly fan earlier this year. Has, that, has this brought the team closer together? I mean, that they've obviously talked about it. What has it done? What effect has it had on the team? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think those kinds of things, when you're a, a band of brothers, you know, you're always going to be brought together when somebody attacks, you know, one of your brother brotherhood like that. But uh, it's just it's just so bizarre that Penn State has had to deal with these kinds of things. You know, you, you, you'd like to think you can focus on football, especially in college sports, and not having idiots out there giving death threats to college quarterbacks. But you know what? Unfortunately, that's the society we live in. When you look at the play of Sean Clifford, I've actually been pretty impressed with what I've seen. He's a relatively unknown quarterback coming into the league. How would you assess how he's handled Penn State's offense this year? Yeah, he's uh, he's got all the tools. The one question we had about Sean coming into the season was, you know, if he could run the ball, how he would be from a mobility standpoint. He's actually been much better than I would have anticipated from that standpoint. He can take off. He, he's great at reading the defense. He knows when to take off and run. Um, he's got a good arm. They do take a lot of shots downfield. That's Penn State's offense. He's been a little shaky, though, from a uh, consistency standpoint. That's, that's a little bit of a concern. Now, look, he's a first-year starter, and he's had some tough games on the road at Minnesota, at Iowa. Uh, but he, he he misses some throws that he should make. And quite frankly, Penn State's wide, you know, wide receiver group is just not real strong. It's K.J. Hamler and then really not much else. And they do have a great tight end in Pat Fryermuth. So he doesn't have a tremendous amount of weapons to work with. And if teams can take K.J. Hamler away, uh, it makes things really difficult for Penn State's offense. Corey, when you you mentioned the Minnesota game, is it a big game thing for Clifford in this offense, do you think? Or, or is it was that a one-off? How would you say he's, he's approaching uh, this week compared to Minnesota or some of the other big games Penn State's played in? I think the this team, this program, 
they are used to playing in big games. Um, now, Sean Clifford, maybe not as much as some other guys because this is his first year starting. But we hear it a billion times a year. One and O mentality. One and O mentality. One and O mentality. Uh, he treat every week the same. And you know what? While to those of us on the outside, we might think, well, obviously this is a bigger game than, you know, Indiana or something like that. But I think James Franklin, they preach consistency so much that I do think the players in the program, while, yes, they obviously understand it's a big game, they prepare the same every day. And I think that's really important for 18- to 22-year-old kids we and the, the rest of the world, we will look at this big game, big game, rivalry, all of this. But 18 to 22-year-old kids, you know what they want? Or you know what they need, rather? They need consistency and structure. And that's where I do think James Franklin's overall mentality and philosophy is good. Let's try to treat every week the same. We don't have to get up or, you know, up for anybody else. We, we, we want, you want to try to be up for everybody. That being said, the challenge ahead is a great one. Husker fans saw firsthand how good this Ohio State team is. When you look at them on paper, where where is Penn State going to have to try and find an advantage on these guys? <laughs> the one thing Penn State will have to do is get pressure on Justin Fields. If they don't pressure the quarterback, Penn State will get destroyed. Um, Minnesota lit them up. Indiana had a big day throwing the ball. The key against Penn State, which, you know, we all thought had a great defensive line, but quite frankly, the last two games against Minnesota and Indiana, they had no pressure on the quarterback. The teams came in with a great game plan of getting rid of the ball quickly. And if you can do that, Penn State's secondary is just not real good. Um, it's, you know, they, they, they give a lot of cushion. So let's just play this out in your mind. I'm going to give you six or seven yards cushion, and you're going to get rid of the ball real quickly. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out you're going to complete a lot of passes that way. And so the, 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 the defensive line, the linebacker, they have to get to the quarterback. They have to get a good push. They've got to get in the quarterback's face, make him move around. Because if Justin Fields is able to sit back there and throw the ball, along with the running game that Ohio State has, um, it's, it's going to be a long day for Penn State's defense. All right, Corey, we'll let you go with this one. Give us a number Penn State has to score for you to feel confident that they'll win. 30. 30 points. I, I, yeah, I, I'm picking Ohio State 37-16. I, I don't think this is close. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. With, uh, definitely has the attention around the country. Penn State with a chance to make some noise around the college football world and the college football playoff committee. Corey Geiger at Altoona. Corey, great catching up with you, man. Thanks so much for the time. Good talking to you guys. Have a good night. Michigan. And time to talk Michigan Wolverines with a good friend of the program, Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News. Um, Angelique, Nebraska played Wisconsin last week. Seems like forever ago since Michigan played Wisconsin and the house was burning down Ann Arbor. Seems like something's flipped in Ann Arbor. What's kind of the mood around the team right now? Oh, it's it's uh, so much more upbeat, as you can imagine, Ben. I mean, I think beating up on, on Michigan State certainly cures a lot of ills for Michigan fans. And, you know, I, I think that Everyone is seeing the growth from from this team since that second half of the Penn State game. And, you know, I, I, Jim Harbaugh this week was sort of like, you know, people want to know when it changed. Was it the, you know, he was saying in that kind of voice, kind of, you know, making fun of all of us who try to pinpoint it. And he just said he's seen them gradually improve. But it, it's been a distinct change in this team and outlook since 
since that Wisconsin game for sure, but definitely since the the Penn State game and, and beating Notre Dame and Michigan State, they certainly go a long way for, to, for these fans here. Absolutely, two pretty pretty big opponents on that schedule for Michigan. When when you look at this team. Um, and, and obviously, there, 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 there was so much talk after that Wisconsin game about the effort, about no one caring, and that's certainly not the case. I know, I, I don't even, I know, not even in Ann Arbor. I know those kids care. They put in every, all the blood, sweat, and tears. But what, what is it on the field that's different about this team right now? Like when, when you watch them, what is different about this Michigan team? Well, I think the biggest thing, Ben, is they're not, they're not putting the ball on the, on the turf. I mean, they were turning the ball over like crazy early in the season. Uh, certainly that first drive at Wisconsin, when they fumbled deep in their territory, they just deflated them for the entire game. And, and they haven't turned the ball over since that first half of the Penn State game. And, you know, it's 14 quarters now, and that's a big difference. And, and the other big difference in terms of the offense is Shea Patterson's finally healthy. He had an oblique injury, had a huge bruise on his, on his uh, ribs. He's now able to use his legs more. He's making better throws and certainly better decisions. But I, I think that that's opened up so much more for this offense. The running game has really come along. The offensive line is blocking better. I think they got challenged by a lot of the former Michigan offensive linemen who took to Twitter and said, you know, not exactly disparaging things, but but we're questioning the toughness after that Wisconsin game. And and I think they took that to heart, the offensive linemen. And, uh, and our defense is definitely seeing a focus on stopping the run. And they've done that so effectively. Uh, since that day, I mean, Penn State only had 100 yards, 101 yards. So, I mean, it, it's been about seven games where they've really limited opponents uh, on the run. So, I, I just think it's all kind of coming together. I'm not saying this is a finished product by any means or they're going to beat, you know, Ohio State the last game, but it's, it's definitely improved on all fronts. Yeah, I, I, that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, the, the choppy waters seem to have been navigated a bit after the blowout of Notre Dame and obviously smoking Michigan State last week. Are Michigan fans back to the point now where it's Ohio State or bus, or does Indiana have their attention? Indiana absolutely has their attention. And, you know, I keep asking, believe in the idea of a trap game. And uh, Jay Harbaugh was saying today, that, yeah, you know, I believe in that concept, but everybody here, they play, they play them tough all the time. Their last two games in Bloomington, so, I mean, last year's team again got field goals in the end zone and consistently. And, uh, you know, it's always a tough game for, for Michigan. And and is it because it, it falls right ahead of the Ohio State game? Maybe that might be part of it. But I think Indiana has been an improved team. I think everybody's seen it. They've, they've given teams a tough go. And, uh, but, and, you know, certainly Ohio State has something to focus on this week with Penn State. So uh, I think that they have really, really drummed it in their heads that they've got to focus on Indiana and then and then turn their attention to the game. How much attention is still on Coach Gaddis in year one? Has, has he gotten some things figured out or is he still under the lightning rod every week? No, I think he has. And, and you know, it's one thing, you know, Harbaugh was talking about this week is he's he thought Gaddis has called good games all along and, and thought this might have been his best game, the mini game. But I, I think the difference for Josh Gaddis is, is not having the turnovers. I mean, he made that point early on when he joked about having a voodoo doctor come in and, and try to get rid of these turnovers, but that, that cost them 10 drives. I mean, these, all these fumbles were really costing them in terms of, of rhythm, of getting an offense going and, and clicking and getting in sync. And, and now, without the turnovers, you're seeing what he can do. You see his plan and utilizing the different receivers and they've got a lot of them uh, i mean we were always talking at the start of the season about nico collins and donovan people jones and truth black but now you're seeing ronnie bell and, and mike sam still on these freshmen 
Donald Jackson and Cornelius Johnson. I mean, they're all coming on. They're using those different pieces. And now you've got a healthy Sean McKean back at tight end. And he's a difference maker for them. And, you know, they're just they're getting better blocking the perimeter. The, the receivers are. Everybody's playing a little bit of a better role in, in every aspect. And that's enabled Josh Gaddis to call a cleaner uh, game, I think. And, and I think it's, it's certainly showing that he's come along and grown this season. You talked about Michigan's weapons. Indiana has some of their own. How do you see this thing going on Saturday? Well, I mean, I think it's tough. I, I mean, Ramsey's been – he has seen Michigan. He knows what to do. And, uh, but, you know, I think this defense has got to stay focused. I think, to me, you know, everyone focused on Shea Patterson last week and the brilliant game he had in the run game. But I think this is about the defense really taking control and uh, and certainly Michigan starting off quickly. And, and, you know, I would say silence the crowd, but my experience in Bloomington is it's usually a pretty heavy maize and blue uh, fan. That, that crowd is, is pretty heavily maize and blue. So I, I'm not saying take the crowd out of it because it's usually Michigan. But they're going to start early and get Indiana on their heels and, and then just put it out of the reach. I mean, they, they've let teams stay in. I mean, I've seen a couple games, I mean, even Illinois. And, and, yes, Illinois is coming on, but you, you just don't you don't let a team score 25 unanswered points. So they've got to avoid that possibility because Indiana is certainly capable of it. Great running back. And, and I think that's, you know, I think it fits. It matches up well with Michigan's defense. So I, I think if, if they set the tone early, Michigan should be uh, should be pretty good going forward. Should be a fun one to see. Michigan against Indiana here this weekend. Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News joining us. Angelique, it was great hearing from you. Thanks so much for the time tonight. Thanks, Thanks Ben. I really appreciate it. Good hearing you, too. Illinois. And time to talk some Illini football next with our friend Steve Kelly from the Illinois Sports Network. Steve, man, this is a it's been a wild year for for the fans of of Illinois football. Going bowling and another big game here this weekend against Iowa. Let's just start first with kind of the mood in Champaign right now, being in, the, in a lot of people's conversations here in late November. Yeah, Illinois on a four game winning streak had the bye week last week, so they're still riding high on that uh, Michigan State comeback a couple of weeks ago in East Lansing when they had twenty seven to three in the fourth quarter after trailing uh, by twenty all game come back and win that and uh, uh, they play again as we mentioned this week at Iowa so Illinois fans haven't seen their Illini at home for a little while but yeah the interest is back Illinois going to a bowl game for the first time in five years where that bowl game will be is not to be determined yet but uh, and really Illinois got uh, in a way the Hawkeyes right where they want them have two touchdown underdog that's been the case here lately, the, the road win at Purdue, they were a two-touchdown underdog. The road win at Michigan State, they were a couple of touchdown underdog. The home win against Wisconsin a while back, they were a uh, 20-point underdog in that ball game. So they kind of have embraced the role of the underdog and uh, they're playing well right now. What is it about this team that's different from, say, when Nebraska was there uh, early in conference play? What, 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 how has this team gotten over the hump? Defense. Uh, the defense is much better. Uh, they made a couple of changes and switched guys around in the secondary. But takeaways is the big thing. They lead the nation in several defensive categories. Takeaways, force fumbles, fumble recoveries, turnover margins, those kind of things. They've got six defensive touchdowns uh, this season. And Lovey has been preaching that all along. But uh, they, have, they haven't always executed that. But uh, lately they have. And in this winning streak, especially, they're taking the ball away and they're capitalizing on it. A lot of people around the Big Ten were curious if this would be 
it for Lovey. That was kind of put to bed pretty early on by the administration at Illinois. And then you, know, you mentioned the four-game winning streak. How has he been during this last month? He's been uh, similar in many ways and different in a few. He seems to have a little more of a step in his step. He still doesn't say much. You don't get a whole lot out of him. He's, he's not rude or anything like that. He's a, he's a very fine gentleman. But he... Um, he sticks to the coach speak most of the time. You don't get a lot of inside information on injuries, but that's kind of the NFL mode, I guess. But a lot of coaches go that way. But he's he's definitely uh, a bit more jolly, I would say, the last few weeks. When you look at what's left for Illinois this season with a couple of games left, do, do you get the sense that they feel satisfied with what, what they're done already? Or are they... What's the feeling going into Iowa of trying to take another one to get to seven and you know keep that win total going up? Well, I think that's what they're thinking for sure. They're about a 14-point underdog last time I looked. Iowa's really good defensively, so Illinois would have to get some takeaways. But they have a rule about the fact they could end up eight and four. And if that would happen, their bowl bid would certainly get better. But just to be bowl eligible is something that uh, was certainly one of the goals for this team. But uh, they'd rather have seven and five or eight and four as opposed to six and six. Offensively, when you look at this team, obviously the running backs are a strength of this team. But Imato Rebe has come in and, and been a big time threat outside, and and Peter seems to have gotten some things figured out at quarterback. Offensively, where would you evaluate this team's strengths are and, and what they can do against that good Iowa defense? I think Peters has been uh, kind of a uh, undersold story. Uh, his stats don't really knock you off the page, although he has thrown 16 touchdown passes and only five interceptions. He's been consistent. He's kind of a quiet guy, uh, but uh, he's been key down the stretch in those uh, four games they've won. And you know what you have in Reggie Corbin and uh, Dre Brown has stepped up uh, between those two guys. They're, they've got about almost 1,100 yards. So uh, they've been effective there. And Imata uh, Bebe at the wide receiver in the transfer from the USD has nine touchdown passes, and he's a big, big play guy. But from my standpoint, or at least from where I'm watching, I, I say throw the ball to him a little more often. He caught four passes in that Michigan State game for 178 yards, and uh, that uh, computes to, to, at least to my mind, get it to him as often as you can. No question about it. It's going to be an interesting matchup this weekend. See if Illinois can make it five in a row in the Big Ten Conference. Steve Kelly from the Illini Sports Network. Steve, we appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game this weekend. Okay, thanks, Ben. Good to talk to you. You as well. Steve Kelly from the Illini Sports Network. There's our Big Ten Blitz. Thanks to all of our contributors here tonight. Steve Kelly, Angelique Shangelis, and, of course, Corey Geiger. Well, let's do it. Let's talk some buy-sell. It's time to buy or sell. Buy sell is brought to you by Famous Dave's, your perfect catering choice for business lunches, meetings, weddings, parties, and more. Treat your guests to authentic smoked daily barbecue, made from scratch sides, and award-winning desserts. Famous Dave's, we do catering right. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty and Josh Elkerman. And it is the season finale of the Ben and Nate edition of Buy Sell. Are we call so. this season one? Season one, okay. yes. This is season one of Ben and Nate Buy Sell. We just so. kind of made up our own rules with this. We did. So. I, think, right. I think this was the 
fifth round of answers that we have questions from. The very first time I just looked it up, the very first time we played with you guys was June 20th of 2018. So wow, about a year and a half ago. Okay. Year so, and a half for the first season. Year and a half first season. The yeah. last time we actually played was on July 10th of this year. So we so, did five rounds? Five rounds, Okay, yes. so that's the precedent. That is the we'll precedent. We'll do five rounds per season. Exactly. Yeah. So well, this, the duration is to be determined. We'll begin round one later tonight. So there you go. But Ooh. first, let's wrap up season one. And we start with a question from December 26th of 2018, a Husker football question by ourselves that one of the two leading rushers in the spring game of 2019 would be the leading rusher in the first game of the 2019 regular season. That ended up being a sell. Jalen Bradley and Brody Belt led in the spring game, but Dedrick Mills had the most rushing yards against South Alabama in the opener. So, Nate, you sold that and got it right. Ben, wrong with a buy. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I didn't, like, I didn't like Brody Belt's chances of leading the pack in week one. By the way, I should have said this before we got into the answers, but coming into this final week, uh, Nate had a three-point lead on Ben. So now you're up four. Now up three. Oh, boy. Feeling, gonna, it. Feeling the momentum. I'm going to need some help. Yep. Keep it rolling, Brett. Hey, say hi to Brett. Hi, Brett. What's hey, up, hi, Brett? Brett? Hey, guys. I'm here. He, he was doing something important. That's why you didn't hear his voice. Right yeah, away. super important. All right, uh, let's move on here. Another answer. This one comes all the way from December 26th of 2018. Uh, buy or sell that the team with the best record at the end of April would go on to play in the 2019 World Series. That ended up being a sell. The Rays had the best record at 19-9. and nine. They did not go on to make the World Series. You guys both sold that and were both correct on yeah, it. Yeah, take Brilliant. the field. That's Good early. work. Good yes. work. All right, let's uh, move on to a Husker football question. This one was asked on June 5th of this year, so we're actually on to this year's questions. By yourself, that Nebraska records at least 550, would record at least 550 yards of total offense in their opening game of the season. That game was against South Alabama. It was a sell as they only recorded 276 total yards of offense. You'll remember that the Huskers had to use their defense to win that game. It was a sell. You guys both bought it and were both incorrect. Yeah, I mean, that still blows my mind how the lack oh my of, goodness. The lack of uh, offense the Huskers had that day. They did. All right, sticking with a Husker football question back from June 5th, buy or sell that Nebraska would win all four of their Big Ten road games, that being Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue, and Maryland. That ended up being a sell. They've lost to Minnesota and Purdue so far. Oof. Ben, you got that right with a sell. Nate, you were incorrect with a buy. Wishful thinking. That's that's <laughs> one I wish I, I didn't get right. Yeah, I was drinking the Kool-Aid there. Yeah, that's fine. I think we all were. Uh, let's move along to Husker Volleyball, also asked on June 5th. By ourselves, the Nebraska would win at least two of their three matches against Pac-12 schools in non-conference play. Those were against UCLA, Arizona, and Stanford. That was a bye. They won exactly two of three, defeating UCLA and Arizona. They did lose to Stanford, but still a bye. Ben, you bought it and were correct. Nate wrong with a sell. So two in a row for Ben, making up let's points. Let's go. Now. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's Uh-oh. St- that Stanford match didn't go well, but they dominated. Sure did. They, they smoked UCLA, didn't they? They did. Yeah, those mm-hmm. both of those first couple matches were, were solid wins for the Huskers. All right, moving on to the pros, a little National Football League action. This one coming from June 5th as well. A buyer sell that the Kansas City Chiefs would win at least three of their first four games in the 2019 regular season. That was an easy buy. They started 4-0. You guys both bought it and were both correct. Yes. Oh, Chiefs. Chiefs all day. All day, although they've Sir. struggled a little bit since then, but starting to 
turn it around a little bit. All right, now we're on to questions that were asked the last time we played on July 10th. So all of these going forward will be questions we asked. And if you'll remember, I think we had Nate go first on all of these. So, oh, yeah. I, so there you go. Uh, first question was from Big Ten Media Days. Uh, Buyer said that Jim Harbaugh would be asked at least three more questions than Scott Frost. <laughs> do you guys remember this this being a question at all? I do, I do now. I do were you, now. Were yes. you trying to influence at, at Big Ten Media Days? Yeah, yeah, you were really going for it. But the answer was a buy. Uh, Harbaugh had 12 uh, questions asked, <laughs> and Frost had eight. So 12 <laughs> to eight, a four-point edge. And it was a buy. Nate, you bought it and got it right. Ben wrong with a sell. Uh, well, the, th- the the wild card was we had no idea what Harbaugh was going to show up. Exactly. Was it going to be the filibuster or no was idea. it going to be the go straight to questions? Yeah. Yes. There you go. All right. Moving on, a Major League Baseball buyer saw that one of the division leaders in the American League would change before September 1st. This question, again, asked on July 10th. That ended up being a sell. The Yankees, Twins, and Astros led their divisions from July 10th all the way to August 31st. Uh, ben, you sold that and got it right. Nate, you were incorrect with a buy. Who? Who? Pull one back. Nice. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Back and forth we go. Another Major League Baseball question from July 10th. Buyer saw that the winner of the Dodgers-Red Sox series that weekend would make the World Series and the loser wouldn't or both would. That was a very confusing question. The <laughs> bottom line is that it was a sell. Neither team made the World Series. And you guys both sold it and got it right. That part was easy to understand. Yes. Neither would make the World Series, and we knew the outcome of that. Yes, <laughs> we did. All right, sticking with Major League Baseball by our sell that Madison Bumgarner will be traded to an American League team before the end of the deadline. That was a sell. He wasn't. Uh, ben, you sold that and got it right. Nate, you were incorrect with a buy. We're, we're closing the gap here, boys. Yeah, it's getting dicey in a hurry. Nate is sweating back <laughs> Nate there. is sweating. There's four uh, questions I'm to go. Season right one of buy-sell, man. This is, the, this is where, you know, the It kind of sets the tone, you know. This is where the, the experience kind of comes in. <laughs> yes. All right, here we go. We're moving on to golf here, the Open, the British Open, whatever you want to call it, by or sell, that Rory McIlroy would finish in the top five at the Open. That ended up being a sell. He missed the cut, in fact. Oh, boy. He was playing I know this isn't good news for me. Right. I remember asking this question or looking back at this question, and I was like, why did we say top five? Well, he was playing really well going into it, but he missed the cut. Nate, you sold it and got it right. Ben, wrong with the box. Well, and it's so. Rory, Brilliant. so I'm going to yeah, buy it. Yeah, you knew that it was it was a baited question. We probably yes. set the line a little bit higher than we even should have, but there you go. Brilliant. Heading down the home stretch into Ben's uh, specialty area here with a Wimbledon question oh, by yeah. ourselves. Right that, by wheelhouse. That <laughs> the men's and women's finals of women, Wimbledon would go a combined seven sets or more. That ended up being a bye. They went two and five sets, respectively, adding up to a total of seven Good for math. all you math nerds out there. <laughs> uh, you guys both bought that and were both correct. See, there's not much that gets by us in the world of tennis. No, no you guys are all Two over experts. It. You put Nate and I on a tennis court, and <laughs> we, we can do some damage. <laughs> yes. All right, let's uh, let's reset here. We have two answers left. Ben, you are down by two points, so you need to get these last two right to force a tiebreaker. So okay, let's. Let's excitement jump. is high. The excitement is very high. And we have a U.S. Open tennis question here. So another tennis question. Buy or sell that Serena Williams would win the women's final or another U.S. player would reach the final on the men's or women's side. 
that ended up being a sell. Serena lost in the final, and no other U.S. players reached the final on either side. Ben, you sold it and got it right. Nate, Nate wrong with a buy, and so we come it's down. It's literally to this. coming down to the last oh, question. Oh my question. gosh! Oh my goodness! This is crazy. I'm really glad that okay, I get to have the power. Before we get into the drama of this, didn't Greg and I have a season that actually went to the tiebreaker? You you did have a tiebreaker season. Yes. Did we I even ha- did Nate and I even do a tiebreaker question? You did not. Well, not. <laughs> it might not matter. But, <laughs> well, it, go ahead. Just just we could. I won't. I won't, I won't do it. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll. Oh Rick, God, and it's Brett. Brett it's Brett that has to do it to me. I love to deliver this news. All right, let's let's get a little NFL preseason <laughs> God, question answered. I was hoping I won on a soccer question. <laughs> that would almost be worse than an NFL preseason question, but buy or sell that there would be at least four touchdowns scored in the Hall of Fame game. That ended up being a sell. There were only three. It was 14 to 10 Broncos over the Bears. With the sell, you guys were both correct because you both sold it and – that's the season. So we, oh, we weren't even different? You weren't even no. different. That's Sorry. the worst. Then <laughs> oh. you should uh, – oh, man. Yep. Dang it. Jim Held Harbaugh served. cost me that season. He did. Jim Harbaugh. Brett is now running in the certificates as Congratulations, Nate. Thank ben, you. Hard fought. Well earned. A lot of respect. You, yeah. you were the better man this time around. You did man, have that's a crazy. Uh, one question. Yeah. You, ha- you had a better week than Nate, 10 of 14, where Nate was 8 of 14, so a really solid week. But uh, on the season, Nate won ten, it thirty-two ten to thirty-one. Is a good week. No, that's yeah, really good. Thirty-two to thirty-one was the uh, was the final score wow. for season. Congratulations, season Nate! High level of play, much yep. respect. So it sounds like Nate and Greg need to be the ones that play this because all I do is lose in these. Well, Oof. it's it. At least it was even. I think it's it was five and five with you and Greg, Ben. I don't know what. What season are we on anyway? Season. I 11? think I might be down down a season. Down one. Okay. Yeah. Down down in the series by one. There you go. <laughs> well, you're gonna have some fighting back to do as we get into season two now of Ben and Nate buy sell, and we're gonna start with a Husker football question: Buy or sell that at least six different Nebraska players score a touchdown over the Huskers' last two games of the regular season? Ooh. You want me to lead this off, or you want it? You're the champ. Okay. Go, go for it, Nate. Um, okay, so I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell because six feels feels like a big number. So you go Mills, Spielman, Martinez, Robinson, if he comes back healthy, and a wild card player. That gets you to five. I have a tough time finding – one, I, I have a tough time finding two other guys. Okay. So, so we have six, right, when you get yes, to six? Six would be a buy over the last two games. All right, so Adrian, Mills, J.D., Noah, Wandale, Stoll would probably be your six. Unless something happens to Adrian I was and Noah, say you, Noah comes in or you put McCaffrey in or something. Right. Yeah. Pick six maybe. That's right. It does not have to be offensive. That's true. I'm going to sell it as well. Okay. Very good. Yeah, and I think we get to five, four or five, but I don't know that we get to six. Very yep. good. And also, yeah, I should have said this, but a bull game would not count if Huskers okay. get to one. So last two games regardless. Yes. Brett? <laughs> all right. Catch your breath? Yep. He, I he was running there. back and forth, Oof. so <laughs> yeah, give him a chance to catch his yeah, breath. I had to run all the way in here. All the way in there. <laughs> all the way. All right. Uh, moving on to a Husker volleyball question here. Buyers sell that Nebraska sweeps at least three of their first four postseason matches or wins at least four sets by eight points or more in those four matches. And I'm going to let Josh explain that one. <laughs> four sets by eight points or more. Or they sweep the three of their first four. 
I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy it. Give me John Cook in postseason time. Those first two are going to be home matches. Right. And the first one, you know they're going to dominate. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. And it, honestly, they could – if it, if the opponent is – if they you know if they play well enough against that first opponent, they could win the, all three of their right. those sets by eight points True. or more. So then you only need one more in your last three – the next three matches. Yeah, uh, but that, you know, the fourth eight-point set makes it tough. Yeah. For me. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and this is an or question, by the way. I know that Greg's not, not here. Not but a parlay. It is. Right. And it's not an and. I'm not feeling sweeping three out of the first four. I mean, okay. no disrespect to John Cook on the big stage. I think he wins, but you're telling me he's got to dominate mm -hmm. all the way to the regional final. Right. Uh, I'm not feeling it. I'll sell. They probably still win. It's just they're not throttling. So the next time we see Coach Cook, we'll have to tell him that Nate Rohrer is a Husker <laughs> volleyball hater. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> just kidding, Nate. It's uh, incorrect. A bit of an exaggeration, but just so kidding, but not really. In this in this case, you are selling the Huskers. But we move on to Nebraska men's basketball. By or sell that Nebraska will score at least 110 bench points the remainder of their non-conference games, which is six total. Six total. 110 bench points. Bench points. About 18 per game. Yeah. I don't like it. I, I that that's asking that's asking a lot. I'm gonna sell. Nate's in a selling mood tonight. Selling everything. Sell. Hmm. <laughs> I'll I'll buy it. I'll be different. I, I think that the, the, and and honestly, guys, a big a big chunk of it could happen Friday. Yeah. I'm gonna need a bunch on Friday. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. Sounds that non-con gets really tough. Yes. Real quick. Yes, it, it does. does. Yeah. All right. Moving on over to the women's side of things. Women's basketball by sell that Nebraska starters score at least 75 percent of the team's points in their last seven non-conference games. That includes tonight's game. Starter scores seventy five percent for the women, right? Yep. Yes. This is you. Oh, it is. Okay. Right? No. no I thought no, I no, it's no, it's me. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna sell. That seems like a that. Man, I don't know. Seventy five percent. Let me let me re let me rethink this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I already wrote down sell, but I can easily cross it out. Yeah, please please cross it out. Um. I'm actually going to buy it. Okay. Because if you if you th think about it in terms of like 100 points, starter score in 75, that's it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. They're going to get the most minutes. Right. They're your best play. Yeah, I'm buying. They do have a deep bench this year. They which do. True. And I don't know to what degree the bench has scored tonight. I didn't cheat true. and look that up. You did not cheat. I, I do believe that they've scored a lot because the, the scoring has been pretty even. There's a lot of players who have put in points, but I do not know the exact numbers at this point. Let's move along to college football here by ourselves that the Big Ten as a conference is above 500 in bowl games, counting the college football playoff semis, but not the national championship okay. game. Yeah. Okay. You guys were this is this ties in very well to the topic you were talking about. Yeah, and the problem is with Ohio State getting into the playoff, that puts you at a disadvantage. All the way up and down the ticket. Yeah. I'm going to sell. I, I think 
I think for that reason. Okay. I'll sell. It's been a good year for the conference, but if you get a team in the playoff, you know, that bumps everybody down, puts you in bad matchups, so I'll sell. Very good. I'm going to sell as well because I don't trust Illinois to win a bowl game. <laughs> um, and I think the Big Ten's going to get some tough matchups yeah. uh, based on the research that we did today and some tough conferences with some good teams, so I'm going to sell it. There you go. All right, sticking with college football by ourselves, that there are at least 150 points scored in the three games that comprise the college football playoffs. 150? 150. Representing the 150 years of college football. Are you doing long division on Sports Nightly? Yes, I <laughs> Let's am. Let's go. And yeah. Nate takes out his graphing calculator. <laughs> no, he's doing it by hand. Old-fashioned way. What do you got there, Einstein? I, I got, I've got all six teams have to score an average of 25 points. <laughs> there you go. Beatrice oh. Education, baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> the first time I've ever seen long division attempted on this program. Um, man. One fifty total. One fifty. So it could be like a fifty to forty game in one of them. Sure. I'm buying it. I think we get there. I'll buy it too, thanks to my long division, <laughs> and also the fact you look at the teams like LSU scores a bunch of points, Ohio State scores a bunch of points, Clemson scores a bunch of points. Yeah, buy it. Yeah, it's not the year when it was uh, LSU and Alabama playing, and it yeah. was a. 10 to whatever game, 9 to 6 game, whatever it was. Right. Uh, all right, let's move along to the NFL with our next question by ourselves that the NFL team with the best record at the end of the regular season has at least three losses. Hmm. Right now there are a couple different teams that are 9 and 1, including the Patriots and the 49ers. Um... I am going to buy it. So I think the NFC West is pretty tough. Yeah. I, I have a tough time seeing the Niners doing better than 12 and 4. And I mean, the Patriots, the AFC East is terrible after them, but you know, they still have to play the Chiefs. They might have a game where they're just, where they're just playing out the string. Yep. And it's at least three, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'll buy Chiefs it. play the Patriots still. Yeah. Yeah. There are, also, there are several teams with, with two losses right now, which would still count as long as they went out. Those would be the Ravens and the Packers, along with the Saints and yeah. the Seahawks. So four different I'm, teams. Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to sell it, Okay, but I'm not confident. Who, who's your team that you think has Patriots. the Patriots. So they get there. Yes. Yeah, I feel like they would be the pick if you're picking one team to get there. They're and, and it's because they're defense. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, their defense is playing at a high level. They're tough to beat. Would it's you, like the old days. Would yeah. you make that pick with Tim here is the question. Of course. I, would, I, I wouldn't have thought about it. Interesting. Okay. All, All right. right. Let's stick with another NFL question here by ourselves that the top two leading rushers at the end of the regular season are both from the NFC. And that's how it stands right now. I don't even know what they are right now. It's uh, Christian McCaffrey, your boy, Ben, is, is one of them. And then... The other one is Delvin Cook. 
Is there anybody? Can you give us like the top five? Yes, Nick Chubb is in third, and so the the, the next three of the top five are all AFC. So Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, and Marlon Mack. Okay, but is this me? Re- yes. Y- yes. Really, the only one though that's close is Nick Chubb. So it's really a yeah. three-man race, I would say at this point. And so I'm gonna sell it because Kareem Hunt's now eligible, and he's taking some carries away from him. Mm. So well, then wouldn't you want to buy it because he's AFC. wait? So did I just misunderstand the question? Yeah, I think so the NFC guys are going to stay there. Yes. Yeah, so you're buying. Okay. It. So I'm yeah, I'm buying. I'm going to gamble that one of the two of them gets hurt, misses some games, but not Christian McCaffrey though, right? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> not my fantasy player. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, a couple of questions left here to wrap up this week by sell. This one from the NBA. Buy or sell that the NBA MVP in 2019-20 is from the Southwest or Pacific Division of the Western Conference. <laughs> Ooh. And I'm, I lead off here, right? Yeah. So that means like James Harden. James Harden. LeBron. LeBron. Doncic, uh, if you want him. Anthony, well, yeah, Anthony Davis. Russ. Yeah, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'm going to buy it as well. Kay. You want to call your shot? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Sure, Harden. Oof. I would love to disagree with you, but he's on my fantasy team too. I'll just <laughs> say, I'll say the brow just to be different. All right. There you go. Very good. Let's wrap it up, Brett. All right, wrapping up with a little college basketball by ourselves that the last undefeated team in the AP Top 25 loses before January 1st. Bye. Give me chaos. Likewise, nobody gets to New Year's Day undefeated. There you go. Love it. All right. That's it. That's all. Season one underway. Buy, sell. Yes. Hide your children. Going to get crazy. Good stuff, guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Big week for Husker Volleyball. The Huskers currently in a three-way tie for second in the Big Ten Conference. Just one game behind Wisconsin, who they play on Sunday. And before that, they've got a match on Friday with Minnesota. And the Golden Gophers part of that three-way tie for second in the league. So a huge week for Husker Volleyball. And we had a chance to chat with Nicklin Hames, the Huskers setter, earlier this week and I started the conversation by asking her about the conversation in the huddle as Nebraska dropped sets two and three to Iowa last weekend. Yeah I think we just kind of realized hey this is not us we want to go out there we're going to win and we're going to do whatever it takes and we went in there we said hey we need to have a lot more communication we need to talk to each other we need to have a gutty win and we just went out there and did that and you know I'm really proud of our team. We had a lot of heart, and it's those games are tough to play when you've already played them once, so I'm just really proud of how we played. You guys are on a six-match winning streak. You've won 11 of the last 12, and sometimes when teams get on winning streaks, things like communication and sort of the finer points of play in the game get overlooked. Was that a good wake-up call for you guys, a good uh, a highlight of that to get you locked in on those sorts of things heading into this big weekend? Yeah, for sure, because sometimes, when, like you said, when you get on those winning streaks, you kind of forget the basics. And so I think we it was a wake-up call that we need to work on our communication, we need to play Nebraska volleyball and it'll be good we'll talk about it all week during practice and to be ready for these weekend's game mentioned you guys have played well lately you've won your last six you've won 11 of your last 12 what's really sparked not really a turnaround but you guys kind of turning a corner to where you guys are are playing at the high level that you have the last month or so 
Yeah, we always talk about in November we want to go from being good to great. And so every day in the gym we just go in, we work really hard, and we just strive to make that little jump from being good to great. And, you know, it's getting close to tournament time, so we're just making that last last push to improve. What what have you uh, seen in terms of growth of confidence of this team? This was a team that lost a big senior class from last year. You don't have any seniors this year. Has this team's confidence grown as you've gone on this winning streak? Yeah, for sure. I think everyone's just getting their own inner confidence, and that relates to everyone on the team. And we're just really looking to each other, and this team has a lot of heart, and we really play for each other, and I think that shows when we're playing. Chatting with Nicklin Hames, Husker Setter here on Sports Nightly ahead of their big weekend with Wisconsin and Minnesota. Last year you came in as a freshman and even though the setter always kind of naturally carries some leadership, you had a senior class that, that had gone to the final four three straight years and got there for a fourth straight. This year there are no seniors. Do you feel like you've taken on more of a leadership role uh, vocally, verbally with the team and, and how has that changed how you go about things out there? Yeah, um, I've definitely taken on a bigger role. You know, last year I was a little freshman and I didn't really know what was going on most of the time. And then this year, you know, I'm just trying to do what everything that's best for my teammates and always trying to put my teammates in the best situations and just ha- making sure that they always have confidence in themselves and they have confidence in me. And we've really got that towards the end of this season this year. And, you know, going in with no senior class, it's it's definitely weird because we're not going to even have a senior night. So, um, but everyone's stepped up our upperclassmen have really stepped up and become more vocal leaders and everyone is kind of taking on their role really well who have you seen really step up in those absences of leadership or or where you needed somebody to step up who have you seen grow the most in terms of their leadership and their confidence out there um, I would for sure say Lexi and probably Jazz. You know, they're both upperclassmen, and uh, last year they both played, but this year they've taken on more of a vocal role and just getting this team to play Nebraska volleyball, and they've been there before, so just leaning on them in tough situations. Talking about this huge weekend for you guys, you guys currently in a three-way tie for second in the league at 14-2. and two. You play Minnesota, one of the other teams in that tie, Penn State also there. And then you wrap up the weekend with a big match against conference leading Wisconsin. Obviously, it's a huge weekend. How big of a conversation point is winning the Big Ten championship and, and capturing the conference for you guys as you hit the last four matches of your season? Yeah, I think it's important just because this conference is really tough. And so to be able to win this conference is a big deal. And Coach always says winning this conference is probably harder than winning a uh, national. And so to win that would be pretty awesome. But, you know, there's a lot of good teams in this conference. I mean, I think there's three in the top ten right now with Wisconsin, Penn State, and Minnesota and us, so four of us. So, you know, it's a tough conference, but it really prepares you for the tournament. And so we're just going to go out there, battle, and uh, see where that gets us. You guys start the weekend with Minnesota. It's your only look at the Gophers this year. What what have you learned about Minnesota as you guys prepare for that week? Um, they're a really tough team. You know, they have really good outsides, really good middles, so they're going to be hard to stop. But I think if we go out there and we play Nebraska volleyball and we'll play the way play the way we can, that it it'll be a good match and we can come out successful. And then after that, you've got Wisconsin. They came to Devaney and swept you guys earlier this year, and that was the match before the streak of winning 11 out of 12 matches. 
How different are you guys right now from the team that Wisconsin saw uh, in early October? Yeah, I think we were still trying to figure everything out at that point. You know, we were, were still really young and just there was a, a lot of more communication errors and uncertainty between people. And I think now we've developed a little bit more and we have a little bit better understanding of our system and everyone's kind of bought in. And I think our team's a lot more developed now at this point. What's one big key you'll emphasize heading into that Wisconsin match, along with being better communicators and the things you just talked about? Um, I think just going out and really competing and just giving your all. I think if we just go out there and do that and have a lot of heart and we play for each other and, and really trust each other, that it'll be a really successful weekend for us. Big weekend for you guys. you got a lot of people back here pulling for you, and hopefully this gets you on the inside track to the Big Ten title. Good luck. Thank you. Putting a bow on a Sports Nightly Wednesday. To recap our practice report from earlier in the show, Troy Walters meeting with members of the media today. And honestly, Nate, the uh, the biggest news is was the injury update. No Wandale yet in pads and kind of I know this is a, something new. Of course, they're not going to tell us his status, but he's not in pads. So two of the playmakers that Nebraska does have on the shelf as late as Wednesday. And that would be a shame if Noah's not able to go in this game against Maryland as as we said earlier tonight, he's found his stride. He's found his way, and it's taken him a while to do so. So when you have a little bit of success, you want to be able to continue to build on it. And if he were to go down, if he were to be unavailable for the Maryland game, that that would be a real setback for this offense. Uh, but the good news with Noah especially, with him being a graduate transfer I don't know how much practice work he needs, especially at this point in the year. So we'll see if he's dressed out tomorrow. Uh, it, it would sure help the Husker cause if he is. Uh, but if he, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm worried, but not terribly so about Noah's status after the news today. Yeah, you hope it's just that, that it's precautionary and, you know, the practice time isn't as important. I mean, I don't think he's – to my knowledge, he hasn't missed a single practice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's been in the playbook as much as anybody so far this year. Um, but, you know, for a team that offensively you feel like needs needs to do some things on Saturday, um, I, I mean, I, I'm not optimistic about Wandale no. uh, until, I, until I'm told otherwise or see otherwise. I'm going to go forward as, as he's not going to go. And, you know, it's going to be De- more Diedrich Mills. And, hey, that's okay yeah. for Nebraska. Diedrich Mills showed out well, and certainly he's riding high, and, and and he has some confidence going. So it's not like Diedrich Mills is is just a total unknown right now. That was, I think, a big step forward for him. I'm hopeful that he can build on his great game against Maryland. And, look, Maryland's defense is pretty shoddy, so it's a good chance to do so. Yeah, speaking of running backs, Ryan Held, Nebraska running backs coach, will be in studio tomorrow from 7 to 8 o'clock, our Nebraska football radio hour. That's it for us tonight. Thanks to all of our guests, Corey Geiger, Angelique Shangela, Steve Kelly, our Blitz panel tonight. Thanks to Nicklin Hames, Nebraska volleyball player. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to the help in the back, Josh Hilkeman. Thanks to Brett Woody. Thanks to Nate Rohr. Thanks, man. Appreciate hey, thanks it. Thanks for having it was me. fun. Coming up tomorrow night, as mentioned, Nebraska volleyball or football radio hour, Ryan Held. We'll have a practice report here from the head coach. All that to come on Sports Nightly tomorrow night. Same time, same place tomorrow. Have a great night. Thank you.